This morning, we are in the third week of a series uh, talking about the whole thing of how God transforms us. Good to see all of you this morning. Uh, it's time of worship. We're going to have to set up some more chairs next week, okay? <laughs> uh, we had to set up a bunch in the back. That's a good problem to have, you know? So we'll just add some more to the ends, and you guys can have longer rows or something. I don't know what the deal is. We have more chairs. We just don't uh, never know how many folks are going to show up on a given Sunday. Um, we are... Um, been talking about this whole thing of transformation and we've talked so far about how God wants to transform us in our spiritual life uh, but uh, then the last week we talked about how God transformed us wants to transform us in our health uh, that health that our bodies and our small groups I hope this week that you look at our, uh, you'll be talking uh, talked about that uh, how our bodies matter to God not just our souls and today we want to talk about our mind and um, so there we'll be doing that. Next week we'll be talking about our emotions. And actually, Dan Baker, our children's pastor, is going to be teaching next week. Give me a, I really appreciate our staff uh, uh, you know, doing it from time. We have a staff that can teach and do other things. And so I'll come back and finish up the series the whole month, the rest of the month of October. Uh, and then uh, at the end of October, uh, starting in, in, uh, in November, uh, Chris Genders, our, our student minister, is going to be doing a three-week series. Uh, what are you calling it, Chris? I don't know. The Shrinking Jesus, okay, I don't know what that's all, you know, I, I know what it's about, but it's, uh, you have to come and find out, it's going to be a three-week series uh, that he's going to do then, and uh, one of the reasons he's doing it for three weeks is, uh, uh, and I had announced this, I'm, decided, I just realized I hadn't told anybody about this, uh, that my wife and I have got the opportunity to go to Israel, um, and so we're going to Israel on November 1st through the 13th uh, on a Holy Land trip, uh, a, a study trip to go to some places that we've never been before. Our leadership team was gracious enough to say, hey, guys, we want to send you guys to do this. And I'm just overwhelmed by that. So I just appreciate it so much. So we're going, going to get on a plane and fly to Istanbul and then to Beirut. Uh, not Beirut. Nah, Tel Aviv. Excuse me. You're not going to Beirut. I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> and not unless the plane gets hijacked between uh, Istanbul and, uh, and Tel Aviv. Uh, so anyway, we're doing that, and then we're going to spend 13, uh, 13 days uh, touring. And actually, our trip is going to be, I found out last night, we had our orientation last night. Uh, orientation, we found out that basically, um, it's through Northwoods Community Church, and Cal Rickner is going as kind of the leader, I've done this several times. And, and we're actually going to be look, touring all the, a lot of the sites that go with the, the book of Matthew. And we'll start in the, Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and tour through the, the whole book of Matthew in 13. I don't know how we'll do it in 13 days. But anyway, it's a lot of sites and stuff. So we're excited about that. But while we're gone, uh, for during that period of time, uh, you're in good hands. And uh, Chris will be doing that. And then I'll come back and be all pumped and share with you about what God told me, whatever he tells me during that 13 days when I'm there. And uh, we'll go from there. So but we still have a long way to go and transform, though. We have seven weeks of transform. We're only in week three. And uh, we'll be looking at this. I hope that your small groups have been beneficial as well. The teach, we had some really good conversation in our men's group yesterday morning uh, about the whole thing of God transforming our bodies. This, this week we'll be talk, talking about transforming our minds. And so we want to look at that. Uh, the key verse in this whole thing has been Romans 12 too. Now today I want to look at it. We learned it basically in the NIV translation, which says that, that God wants to transform us and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And it says in the NIV, by the renewing of your minds, but I want to look at it in a little different verse uh, translation today. In the NLT, the New Living Translation says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. 
It is incredibly obvious in Scripture that, that if you want to change what you do, you have to first change what you think about what you do. Um, let me give you a summary of today's message. It pretty much could be summed up this way. God is more interested in changing my mind than changing my circumstances. God is more interested in changing my mind than changing my circumstances. And so often we pray God change my circumstances and we really don't ask God to change our mind, but what would be more important because God wants to transform us from the inside out from our about our character and not necessarily our circumstances. So we're going to talk today, uh, there's two sections to the message. The first part I want to talk about is three things that, about why it's so important that I manage my mind. And then the second part is going to be talking about some, some daily uh, things that we do to help us to do that. And you'll be talking about that this week in your small groups as well. So let's talk about that for a few moments. How does God, why is it important that, that I manage my mind? Well, the first reason it's important that we manage our mind, number one, is this, because my thoughts control my life. My thoughts control my life. Um, every action starts with a thought, does it not? You wouldn't do it unless you thought about it. So every action begins with a thought. If you don't think it, it doesn't happen, good or bad. And that's good and bad. Because if it's, it's, if it's a, a good thing, you know, that every action starts with a thought, you have good thoughts, it leads to good actions. But if you have bad thoughts, and it can be bad thoughts that not, aren't even true, that can lead you to actions as well. In Proverbs 4.23, it says this, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. I thought about that in context of what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount because he said many times, you know, you've heard me say this, but I tell you this. And if you look at that, it always goes back to our thought life. It's not just our actions, but our thought. It starts there, and Jesus understood clearly because he was God and creator of the world. He understood that if we, if we, if we shape and begin with our thought life, then it's going to shape the way we do things. And so often, you know, what people say about us, even as a child, shapes what we believe about ourselves. If somebody as a child told you you were dumb, and you were constantly told you were dumb, or you're fat, or you're something, whatever it was, you started believing it after a while, and you acted your life out upon that, that premise so often. Even as adults, sometimes, we believe things that just aren't true in our lives as well. And so today we're going to talk about that. First, number one, our, the, one of the reasons it's important that I manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. Number two, because my mind is the battleground for sin. My mind is the battleground for sin. It's where every temptation happens and every sin. It starts in what we think. Pride, lust, hatred, fear, resentment, envy, worry, all these things start in the mind. It's the battleground. It says it this way in Romans 7, 22 and 23. It says this. I love to do God's will. I love what this is the, 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 uh, today's Living Bible translation. If you've probably heard this verse before but heard it in a different translation. But it kind of explains it a little bit better here. I love to do God's will, Paul says. So far as my new nature is concerned. He said, you know, as a, now I'm a believer. I want to do God's will. That's what my nature is now. I have this nature in me that wants to do that. But, and there's always a big but, don't go there, uh, there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind. There's something else, not even to say it's not out there, because see the problem is so often we think the temptations are all out there. 
The reason I have temptation, well, it's out there. Well, no, it starts, he says, in inside. But there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind, and it wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. And then he says this, in my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Have you, have you noticed the battle terminology here? It's a battle, and it's not happening out there. It's not just about the temptations. Yeah, we're always saying, well, you know, the deal is this, is that the reason I'm tempted is because we live in this culture that's all messed up, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But the reality is, is we have to win the battle of the mind, and it starts inside, not outside. He said, uses words like, in its verses like war, fight, enslaved, mind. I mean, if you write that down or if you have it in there in some place where you can highlight, highlight those words. There's a battle that's going on, and it's going on in your brain. That's what Paul's saying. And sometimes we're conscious of it, and other times we're not. And the reason it's so intense is because your mind is your greatest asset. It's whatever gets your attention gets you. So, a second reason that we need to be careful about uh, this whole thing of our mind, and there's a second reason it's so important to manage our mind, is because, is because it's the battleground for sin. This is, I just want to lay out, these first three points are very brief, and then we want to get into the, the meat of the sermon today and the message as well. Number three, the third reason that we need to manage our mind is because it's the key to peace and happiness. It's the key to peace and happiness, our minds. Not our circumstances, our minds. Because what happens is, and you can look at the contrast, an unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. An unma- a managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos. A managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. And a managed mind leads to strength and serenity. Now, Paul says it this way. In Romans 8, 6, he says, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. He simply lays it out simply that there, your mind is the battleground for what we do, and we have to learn how to manage our minds. And if we don't manage our minds, our life will be in chaos. So what are we going to do? We're going to do a look at it two ways this week. If you're in a small group doing Transformed this week, you're going to look at five habits for a healthy mind. That's what I'm telling you right up front. This is what you're going to talk about, okay? So it's, it's, and those are going to be good things, five habits for a healthy mind. But today what I want to do is to kind of supplement that by talking about three daily choices that you and I must make for a healthy mind. Three healthy choices that we make, not only habits, but choices we make as well. So let's talk about those, and this is where I want to spend most of our time today, particularly on point two. Number one is this. The first healthy uh, choice that I can make is this. I must feed my mind with truth. I must feed my mind with truth. You know, Jesus said one time, he says, if you want to know the truth, it's important because the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. That's what he said in scripture. So If I feed my mind with truth, and Jesus says the truth will set you free, doesn't that sound like a good place to start? Feed my mind with truth. Matthew 4, 4 says, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. The Bible is God's owner's manual. That's why we talk about it all the time at Great Oaks. 
Folks, you know, there's no other book that's, that's more important for living, living in life than God's Word, the Bible. No other book. No, nothing comes close. There's lots of good books out there. I read all the time. I, I read two or three books at a time, constantly. But nothing comes close to God's Word. In, in every area of life, He gives us truth. And and. and the thing is, so often we think that, well, when do I feed my mind with truth? You know, well, I do it on Sundays. I come to church and I hear Pastor Bill, or I go to my small group and, and I do this and I, and, and, and I read the Bible. But, you know, when should we feed on God's Word? Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. The Bible says that we should feed, on, uh, feed our mind on the truth all the time. It says in, in Psalm 119, 147, it says, I rise early to cry out for help and to put my hope in your words. It says, it start off the day. Early in the morning, I start off by in, in God's word. The word hope there is, is encouraging because you know something about the Bible? There's over 7,000 promises in God's word. 7,000. And if you're constantly reading God's word, God's promises are important to give you hope in the chaos of this world. And so I ask you a question. Do you start your day with hope? Or do you start it with CNN? I don't know. <clears throat> and they're not the same thing, by the way. Uh, so we says, this, when should we feed our mind with truth? In the morning. How about all day? Psalm 119, 97. Lord, how I love your word. I think about it how often? All day long. We need to get into a pattern of, of, of finding times and uh, islands and places of the day just to, you know, screensavers, uh, somewhere that we can, God's word is before us all the time. It reminds us all the time, not just, not just at a quiet time in the morning, even that's a great place to start, but it needs to be more than that. And then even at night, it says in Psalm 16, 7, it says this, uh, 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 David says, even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. Your teaching filled my mind. Now, we talk, I talked about this last week about how serious David was in regard to God's word because I talked about how often, uh, and if you're here last week, I talked about in one of the illustrations about how often, one, t one verse we looked at was in the context of David had been on the run. He'd been uh, in, in caves hiding. So he spent several years in hiding, running away from, from uh, Saul and his men who were trying to out, out to kill him. So even though David was eventually king and was eventually called a man after God's own heart and had a lot of good stuff and bad stuff happen in his life, David was serious about one thing consistently in his life, and that was God's word. Even when he was on the run. Because he writes in Psalm 119.95 these words, When the wicked people hide to ambush and kill me, what do I do? I formulate a plan to take it over. No, I didn't say this. I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. For David, it was a lifestyle, focusing on God's word. He was filling his mind with, with truth. And so this first healthy choice that we must make is filling our mind with truth is essential if we are going to, to, to win the battle that's up here. you got to start with the right stuff. What do you do in a crisis? Do you start formulating plans or do you turn to God's word? And I'm not even going to talk about the crisis that's going on right now in our area, okay? We're well aware of that. But the reality is, the reality is, 
If we look at trying to formulate our own plan, yeah, it may work, may not work. But the thing is, God, it says, leads us to hope. When we fill our mind with truth, he leads us to realize how things really are in the bigger picture. Every time I take my eyes off of God, every time, I become fearful. So what are you doing? First healthy choice for the mind is to fill our mind with truth. Number two, and I want to spend a little time on this because this is something that really we don't do as good a job as we need to. Number two, I must free my mind. If I want to have a healthy mind, I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Some of us need, need our minds to be liberated, delivered, re- released, set free from whatever thoughts are going through them right now. And that isn't easy. And the easy, you know, we think that we live in this, we think in our mind, we don't really, really believe this, but we think that we live in kind of a neutral environment that doesn't affect us in a negative way. But we don't live in a neutral environment. Because the Bible tells us that we have at least, at least three forces that battle us, three enemies that battle our minds constantly. And the problem is, is none of these things, none, these things are around us all the time. And I'll, as I'll point them out, you'll understand it. And, and the thing is, is these three forces battle in our mind against good intentions. We ought, most of us, I, I really believe that most of us have good intentions about all areas of our lives. We have good intentions. But the problem is good intentions without, without a mind focused on what we need to do and, and, and a mind that's in a battle all the time, we'll, we'll lose. So you've got you to fight to free your mind because we have these enemies. Let me give you the three enemies that I see that the Bible talks about that are clearly in our culture. Number one, the first enemy is my old nature. My old nature. Romans 7, 23 says, But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the, to the sin that is still within me. I wish I could say that when you say yes to Jesus Christ, you totally got rid of your old nature. No. God comes in, his Holy Spirit comes into our life, that's what the Bible says, and he begins to work in us. But it's clear in Scripture everywhere that it's a process of us surrendering bit by bit by bit to the Holy Spirit. And we still have this old nature. Paul talks about it constantly in Scripture. It's talked about in other different, different places. And we often find ourselves doing things that we don't want to do. Don't raise your hand on this one. Have you ever knowingly engaged in self-defeating behavior? Like you're going like, well, I know this isn't good for me, but... And then you do it. You know it's not the right thing to do. I mean, I had a conversation with a guy on the phone this week. He called me about this whole, he told me this whole history of relationships and stuff. And he was, he was asking me, and I said, you've already answered your own question. You know what's the right thing to do, but you don't want to do it. Because we have this old nature within us that wants to take us back to where, you know, saying that, you know, that, that I know best, not God. See, your old nature is not, not, not your friend. It's the source of all your bad habits. Romans 8, 5 says it this way. It says, 
Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Paul is saying here in this passage, he's saying, he's saying we have both of these within us. We have this, this sinful nature and we have this part of the Holy Spirit who's in us wanting to control us. And we choose. It's a battle going on. And so we have to understand clearly that if we give in to our old nature and we do not let the Spirit lead us, what's going to happen is it's going to lead us to do things that are, that are self-defeating behaviors in our life over and over and over again. And we'll just agree totally with what Paul says. You know, I, I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I really don't want to do. I'm so confused. Because we have this old nature, and that's, that's an enemy. The second enemy that the Bible talks about is, a very, is, is another enemy that we don't want to talk about too much. His name is Satan. Satan is real. Now, now let, let, let me tell you this. Okay. Satan, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Satan cannot force you to do anything. It's not like these horror movies where he comes out and whoop, you know, grabs you and rips your head off or does something weird. You know, I mean... I, I, every, every time I see one of these things, on, you know, commercials right now for a bunch of movies, every time they do it, it's always something coming out of the wall, grab you, you have no control over it, you know, whatever. That is not how Satan works. Okay? Because Scripture says this clearly, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. But Satan uses suggestions. He's continually planting negative thoughts and ideas in our head. We come to a place of making a decision. It's against old nature versus God's, uh, the Holy Spirit guiding us. And what does Satan say? Go ahead and do it the old way. It's not going to hurt. Or he'll say things like, you deserve it. You deserve it. Or he'll say things like, it's all right to get angry. And he doesn't say sin not. He says, it's all right just to get angry and let it go any way you want to. Get even. How dare they? Or things like, you are no good. See, anytime we're tempted to do that, it's not God, it's Satan. He plants suggestions. He wants to direct us. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says it this way. And it's interesting. I want you to read this sometime out of, not here, but we don't have time, but in context. In 2 Corinthians, you read the first couple of chapters. There's this problem going on in the church. And there's this guy particularly that he, he's kind of a, he's a troublemaker in the church, the early church. And so Paul, Paul uh, what he says, he says, he says, I've got to the point. He says, this is what he says. I've forgiven that man. Talking about that man specifically. Because, he says, so that... Satan won't outsmart us. For we're very familiar with his evil schemes. Paul says Satan is real. And he's trying to trip us up. He can't make you do it, but he will sure as everything, do everything in his power, which they suggest, tempt, do everything in his power to make you want to do something. He is not a, we don't live in a neutral environment. That's our second enemy, and that's one of the reasons that we have to, in, in a real sense, we have to free our mind from destructive thoughts. Second enemy. Third enemy, the world's values. The world's values. The values that are constantly promoted by advertisers, movies, TV, music, and celebrities, do they do anything to really cause, is there, is there any encouragement to be disciplined in your life by any of those things? To do the right things? 
very rarely. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says it this way. All that is in the world, in the world, the world system, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, is not of the Father, is not of the Father, but is of this world. What does that mean? These three things could be listed in two different ways. It could be passion, possession, and position, or money, sex, and power. It says all the things that the world promotes, those three things in particular, are not of God, but of this world. So we, have this, we live in this world system. We have these, these things that battle us, these, these, these things that are pushing against us, our own, our own old nature, Satan, and a culture, and a world system that pushes us away from God and, and, and wants us to choose the wrong things in our minds, starting with our minds. How do we deal with that? How do you fight the mental battle? Well, the good news is that the Bible tells us how to do that. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, it says it this way. It says, though we live in this world, though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight, are with, uh, uh, we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then it says we do this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to, to Christ. See what it says? We take thought what? We take captive every thought because it begins, the battle begins in the mind, between the ears. That's where the real battle is taking place in your lives. Because if you don't think it, you don't do it. So, let me talk about that verse just a little bit. What does that mean? What is a stronghold? A stronghold is simply this. It's a lie that we believe. It's a lie that we believe. A stronghold is a lie that we believe. It could, be, it could be something like, well, God doesn't really love me. That's a lie. Another lie that we believe so often is, I know better than God about what will make me happy. That's a lie. Or it could be a value, a, a false value or worldview, like hedonism, uh, that, that pleasure is the purpose of life. Or materialism, which is getting stuff will eventually make me happier. Or it can be a personal attitude that people, uh, uh, something that's false that we believe, a lie that we believe. Uh, for instance, some of the lies that I hear people all the time say is, I can, never, I can never forgive myself for that. It's a lie. God says, in Christ, you can be forgiven. And you can even learn to forgive yourselves. Or I will, I've heard this before with, you know, kids growing up or, or people, even as adults, saying it in different ways. I will never amount to anything because we value what we, we think that what, what, what we're, our value is, is about what we do. No. It's about who we are. So, he says, what do we do with these strongholds? What do we do with these things, these lies that we believe? Well, he says we do two things. We, first of all, it says, and you can look at that verse, we take Captive, we take captive, and I highlighted those, made those bigger. We take captive. The, the Greek words, you don't have to know Greek, don't worry about the Greek, okay? I'll just tell you what it is, not that you'll have to remember this or anything like that. But it's the Greek word is 
akmalo tizo, and it, it means literally, it means literally to capture or to conquer or to bring under control. It says what we're to do with these strongholds, these lies that we believe, is we are to capture them, we're to conquer them, we're to bring them under control. And then it says, secondly, we're to make it obedient. Literally means to bring into submission. We're to take those strongholds, those lies that we've been taught, we believe that we have in our mind that directs the way we do things, and we're to take them and take them captive, we're to bring them under submission, and we're to direct them in a different way. How do you do that? How do you make your mind, it's like, how do you make your mind mind you? I got to confess that sometimes my mind rebels. Your mind ever rebel? I mean, uh, Friday, uh, no, yesterday, yesterday afternoon, I can't remember what day of the week it is, but yesterday afternoon, I was sitting studying for today. Had about an hour in the middle of the afternoon between weddings and other things going on, crazy stuff going on. Okay, so I was sitting there, and I knew I had to study, okay? In my mind, I knew I had to study. But I was thinking, you know, I really don't want to study right now. I'd much rather flip on the TV and watch a football game or, you know, or something like that. And I had to make my mind mind. Because my mind wanted to take me somewhere else, and it would have easily taken me somewhere else if I hadn't have made it mind. So I took that thought captive, and I put it under submission, and I tied it up, not literally, get the picture, and I, and I did, it, did what, what I need to do. But I had to make a willful choice to do that. Because if we let our old nature, you know, my old nature was going like, and Satan was going like, oh, you don't need to study tomorrow. What you say is not important. Nobody's going to listen anyway. I go, it's not what I say. It's what God's word says. And that's what I'm pointing, you know, pointing out to you. The thing is, that's what we do. See, the reason most people are ineffective and defeated in life is they don't know how, how to fight the battle of the mind, how to deal with temptation that comes our way in our life. So how does temptation work? Let me say this real quickly this, uh, this morning, and then we'll wrap it up here uh, in just a minute here. Number, uh, in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, this is what it says about temptation. Because this is how we, how we deal with this. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. And then the evil actions lead to death. It's this little process that goes through. See, temptation is, is a process. It's not like all of a sudden... Uh, you decide, I'm going to have an affair. It doesn't start there. It's a process that leads us from here to here to here to here to here. Step one was, it says, it's a desire. It's a desire. It begins inside you. It says our own desires. It often begins with a natural desire. Something that's normal. Eat, sleep, our sexual drive. These were all given to us by God. To achieve the reason to achieve, it's all given to us by God. It's all God-given. But temptation turns a routine desire into a runaway desire. And it becomes more important than anything else, and it's all you can think about. And any desire out of control is destructive. So often temptation is an, is an attempt to fulfill a legitimate desire, but usually it's done in the wrong way in the wrong time. And so the first thing it says that temptation, if it leads us in the wrong direction, just begins with a desire, which is something we all have. But then it goes further. It begins to, step two is it kind of, the Bible talks about is, is what I call doubt. Doubt. A desire and then doubt. We started saying, well, does God really know? Is that really true? You remember all the way back in the Garden of Eden? The story of Adam and Eve and, 
and, and, and Satan said to him, hey, you can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because, you know, that's not, did God really say that? And so we begin to doubt. Then it leads into the deception. It says, it uses the word here, it says, these evil desires lead to evil actions and then the evil actions. And it says up there, from the lure of our own evil desires. What's a lure? That's a good fishing term, right? Lure. You know what a lure is? Any of you fish? I used to fish. I don't fish anymore, but I used to fish. Lures are important. You get, man, you get the right, if you have the right kind of lure or what kind of bait and you put it out in the right place, you can catch some fish. If, I don't care if you have the right place and everything's but the wrong lure, you will never catch any fish. It's amazing how that happens. Fish are a lot smarter than we think they are. Are they very, are they very finicky? I'm not sure what the deal is. But the deal is this lure. And it's using, it's using bait. What kind of bait does Satan use on you? You ever thought about that? What kind of bait does Satan use on you? I'll tell you what he does. He knows your weaknesses. And he hides the hook in your weaknesses. And I believe, I believe this is called deception because often you, know, you know, often you know where the hook is. But you keep on nibbling like a dumb fish. Deception. And then finally, this process leads to disobedience and defeat. When we actually go from thoughts, desires, which are legitimate, to doubts, deception and finally to disobedience and defeat now it's called sin what began in the mind translates into action attention becomes attitude it becomes action and and paul says the end result is death what is death it's it's the it's not physical physical death necessarily it's the exact opposite of living though we live live a life that's bound up in all the lies that we believe but the, the good news is you're free to choose you and i are free to choose we're free to choose the consequences of your choices. And when, let me ask you this question. This is so easy, but I won't give it to you anyway. When is the best time to win the battle? Before it ever starts. Before it ever starts. Psalm 119, 112. Paul, uh, David says, I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what you got to make up your mind before you get into this cycle. So, how do we do that? How do we continue to do that? Third final thing here, third big choice for a healthy mind is, I must focus my mind on the right things. Not only must I not uh, focus my mind on truth and, 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 and not take away, the wrong, take, take away the wrong things in life, but I must focus my mind on the right things. Let me just mention three things that will make the most difference in your mental state if you want to focus your mind on the right things and win the battle of the mind. Number one, think about Jesus. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know already, okay? This is like, duh. Think about Jesus. You've heard the phrase, you become whatever you think about most. Have you ever heard that phrase? You become whatever you think about most. 2 Timothy 2.8 says, keep your mind on Jesus Christ. Period. If we never think about Jesus, we'll never become like Jesus. 
Hebrews 12.3 says this. Think about Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. Think about Jesus and what he did and who he is in our life. So think about Jesus. Think about others. Think about others. The C is one of the problems we have in our life so often all we do is think about ourselves. It's about me, 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 I, 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 I. That's all we think about. The Bible says if you want to win the battle of the mind, you need to think about others. Philippians 2.4 says, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they're doing. Let me ask you a question. You think this would trans- it would transform the way that the world is if, if all of us thought about each other more than we thought about ourselves? Yeah. Almost every problem that's in the world is based upon greed and pride. So, think about others. Hebrews 10.24 says, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. So the Bible talks about, I could have picked out 50 verses that talks about this, but I just chose to. And the final thing I want to, the Bible, I think, that will help you to focus on the right things is think about eternity. Let me, let, me, let me just say this to all of us. We have too much short-term thinking. Everything is about, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? Instead of what's going to happen down the road. And I'm not saying we have to so- constantly just think about heaven because I've heard people say things, well, they're so heavenly minded, they're no, they're no earthly good. You ever heard of that phrase before? Because all they talk about is heaven. They can't think about it. They can't even get their feet on the ground, you know, just kind of floating around. That's not what it's talking about. See, the, the, problem, the problem is short-term thinking. Colossians 3.2 says this, let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on the earth. The truth is, is that heavenly-minded people, people that have long-term views and think of the bigger picture of what's best for others, what's best and what Jesus, think about Jesus, what it is, they do the most good. Because it's not about them. The truth is, God says, to you and to me in his word clearly this is not a gray area black and white it all begins up here and what you think needs to be transformed and it can be but you got to follow God's plans and his decrees and you have to make that choice up front I love what it says in 1 Corinthians we'll close with this verse then we'll sing a song go home 1 Corinthians 2 9 says no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That is long-term thinking. <laughs> that is focusing our minds on eternity. Folks, I've said it before, and somebody said it in our small group the other day, a couple weeks ago, whatever. You know, what we're on right now, we're, on a, we're a blip. Our life is a blip in all of eternity. This is just, our time here on this earth is just preparation for all the rest of the time. In your small group, you probably learned it, Rick Warren said it, I thought really well, that, it's, that, that our time here on this earth is, 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 is a trust, it's a test, it, it's all those things. It, it, it's, it's, it's a time where we do, and, and, and we've got to manage our minds so that our mind won't take us to places we don't want to go. Because it is a battle. It is a battle. And if you don't recognize the battle and you don't start fight the battle, 
your mind will take you to places you just don't want to go. And if you've already been there, God says, hey, the past is past. I can forgive you for that. Focus your attention on now and the future. Because he wants to give you forgiveness and he wants to give your life fullness. He wants to transform you into all you can be. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning for this opportunity of coming to you, looking at your word, and understanding what it says. I pray this morning that this will have been clear to all of us, um, and that we'll not only just hear the words, but we'll apply them to our lives, because God, these come from your word. These are not just random thoughts that I've had this week, and, but they're things that God has been your word, it's been true since the dawning of time. And then when you gave the scripture to us, God, you, you laid it out for us. And so, God, help us to understand that your word is more important than anything else in this world. And our relationship with you can be directed through, uh, very clearly, through understanding and applying your word to our lives every day. Help us to think about Jesus. Help us to think about, about others. Help us to think about, about our whole, uh, the whole eternity and to have longer-term thinking. Help us, God, to trust in you. But help us to realize that we're not a neutral environment, that we're in a battle, a battle of the mind. And Satan knows exactly, knows exactly where it is that we have our, our greatest weaknesses. And he'll work in that area and tempt us. He can't make us do anything, but he can tempt us. So guide us now, God. Guide us now, this week, that we would focus our attention upon the things that are most important and push away from the things that would take our minds to places they don't need to be. Help us, God, to win the battle of the mind. And we can do that when we trust your Holy Spirit to empower us and guide us every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.